I am a, a neighborhood council board member. I'm the chair of the homelessness committee and the homeless liaison for my neighborhood council. I teach sustainability at CSUN, Cal State University, Northridge. Mm-hmm. I'm a community advocate in the council district. I've been working on a lot of environmental issues, including the Aliso Canyon gas blowout. I am a, also a parent, a mom, a foster mom. Also, we recently adopted our foster daughter in mm-hmm. August. Sometimes when you have kids, you just start to see the world through a different lens. Yes. And you start advocating for the things that are important to me now, like changing stations. And yes. the thing is, it's hugely important. I get good vibes from this particular candidate here. Hey guys, this is Bike Talk. We're here with Lorraine Lundquist and Stephen Box. Hi, Nick and Stephen. Hey. Hello, hello. Stephen, you want to tell us about the significance of Lorraine being here? Well, you know, I met Lorraine, I don't know, a month ago. Sounds about right. At the uh, the neighborhood council meeting. I was on the road with the Mobility Bill of Rights. And uh, in fact, today, by the way, um, before we get started, today, by the way, I was at the Caltrans District 7, which is uh, L.A. County and Ventura County, representing 14 million people. And I also had representatives from Orange County and Riverside County there from the Caltrans, okay. which is the California State of, Department, uh, 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 State, State of California Department of Transportation. It's yep. the Bicycle Advisory Committee um, for Caltrans, and they endorsed the Mobility Bill of Rights unanimously. Wow. That's fantastic. Caltrans. So, yeah, Caltrans. Can you believe that? And that's amazing. I can because Caltrans is doing amazing work, including the fact that uh, the state of California currently has SB 127 floating, which is going to embed the, it's going to enhance the uh, complete streets wording in the code that drives all of the infrastructure that's being built by the state of California. Kind of a big deal, right? State of California with complete streets language. So on the one hand, you've got SB 127, which has some legal uh, ramifications. On the other hand, you've got some aspirational effort here in the city of Los Angeles in the Mobility Bill of Rights. And that's when I met Lorraine uh, when I was presenting the Mobility Bill of Rights. And what piqued my interest was she had this acute knowledge of... Um, I mean, the city of LA's got a lot of streets. And uh, (laughs) Lorraine was able to go intersection by intersection and talk about some of the implications of, you know, making our streets safer, specifically in that neighborhood. Well, that's partly because two of the top three most dangerous intersections in the state of California are in my neighborhood council Mm -hmm. boundaries. And, you know, three of the top five most dangerous intersections in the state of California are in my council district that I am running for city council in Council District 12. There's uh, LA's a big place. Yes, it's in a big county. It's, in fact, I think the LA County is um, bigger than ninety percent of the states in the United States of America. But LA County's the largest county in the United States of America. It's made up of eighty-eight cities. LA's just one of them. And in LA, the city of LA, there's ninety-nine neighborhood councils, the majority of which are bigger than the majority of the cities in LA County. <laughs> right. To speak of the gravitas or, or, or you know, or right. the significance of a neighborhood council, a group of volunteers that have set out to, you know, take responsibility for the quality of life in their community, uh, which is where I met Lorraine. But Lorraine, you mentioned Council District 12, 12 of 15. Yes, L.A. City Council District 12 in the northwest San Fernando Valley, which is where I am now running for office because our council member resigned in the middle of his term. And there's going to be a special election, June 4th. Mm. And now I'm running. So June 4th, and the residents of Council District 12, which is the northwest section of the valley. Well, I guess they have the opportunity for uh, a couple of weeks in advance of that to vote by mail. Oh, yes. The absentee ballots will come out about six weeks ahead of that in April, the end of April. Excellent. So it's a bit of a sprint for you. Yes. Because people will be... uh, Making their decisions quickly and acting quickly. Absolutely. So before we get into Council District 12 and the um, and the campaign, let's talk about um, when I met you. You were a neighborhood council board member. Yes. But uh, you, had, you had you uh, had several hats on. Well, I wear several hats around <laughs> the community. I am a, a neighborhood council board member. I'm the chair of the homelessness committee and the homeless liaison for my neighborhood council. I teach sustainability at CSUN, Cal State University, Northridge. Mm-hmm. I'm a community advocate in the council district. I've been working on a lot of environmental issues, including the Aliso Canyon gas blowout. I am also a parent, a mom, uh, a foster mom. Also, we recently adopted our foster daughter in August. 
and I have many hats that I can go <laughs> talk so, about. So let's start with uh, hat number one. Yes. You know, Nick just had uh, a baby. Nick and his wife, oh, Julie, just yes. had a baby. Congratulations, Nick. And, and I have uh, two young boys. Yes. And we've actually done some shows called uh, Dads on Bikes, and so t- tonight's kind of a nod to Moms on Bikes. Nice. But the question that came up was, what happens to these activists? Because when Nick and I first met, you know, we go on these bike rides, we'll be out all night, we're howling at the moon. And what happens is the activists don't go away, but sometimes when you have kids, you just start to see the world through a different, a different lens. Yes. And you start advocating for... Uh, the things that are important to me now, like changing stations, museums yes. that have displays that are <laughs> low enough for kids, like stepping stools in the bathrooms. Like, right. this is my activism now? Like, right. And the thing is, it's hugely important because I'm, I'm responsible for shaping the world for two little ones. Yeah. I recently found out that the city of L.A. does not offer paid paternal leave mm-hmm. for its employees. Yeah. So believe me, I'm sensitive to that one. And especially because uh, Nick and I were, 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 t- were talking about this, but it's, it's a shame that we wait until it's too late sometimes to figure out how important things are, like paternal leave, like the environment we create for our children. It's a, it, it's a, it's a shame to think, oh, my God, if only I'd known then what I know now. And so that's why I think it's really important for parents to be sharing some of our insight and experiences, but also to be advocating loudly for our kids. And um, what's interesting is now I'm more concerned about the future of our neighborhood and the future of our community and the future of our world. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, and and from your perspective, I know that you were... um, an astrophysicist. That's right. Well, I yes. guess you once an astrophysicist, always an astrophysicist. <laughs> you went to uh, same school as uh, Nick, as a matter of fact. I think I went to UC Berkeley yeah, for Berkeley. my PhD yeah. in physics. Yes. And um, but you shifted your focus to sustainability. I did. I I it was a process for me, but but it started really um, when I became a mom. I. I had been a scientist. I knew that climate change was real. I, I, you know, I'd even considered myself an environmentalist. I was trying to reduce my carbon footprint. But something about becoming a mom made me actually read the papers on climate change, and which I had never done before. And as I was diving into the research, I it just really hit me. I had not realized before how urgent this situation was mm-hmm. and I had not I just didn't get it I did not under I didn't realize how dire frankly the prospects were for my children mm-hmm. and um, it took some time but I, after a while I finally came to this point where I just said I just had this epiphany and I said I have to devote my life to this issue and so I changed my career completely I um that's how I came to teach sustainability at CSUN. Um, so I teach about the issue to my students, but I also uh, set aside a, a large chunk of time to work on environmental advocacy. Um, and I've been doing that for several years now. And that is what led me to politics as, as I started lobbying our politicians and realizing how much it really matters who the right, who the person is in that office. And that has led me to run for this seat because I think LA is the perfect place mm-hmm. to be working on these issues for so many reasons that I could go into for mm-hmm. a long time. I'd be happy to. Um, but you know, we we are a leader in so many ways. Being such a large city, our culture is beamed into every home on earth almost that mm-hmm. has a TV, and um, our. Our, we own the largest municipal utility in the country. So we, the citizens of Los Angeles, get to decide how we generate our energy and where we source our water. Um, we are essentially the car capital of the world. So um, changing the way we move around the city, if we can show that that can be done here in Los Angeles in ways that work for everybody and actually serve people, not just cars, um, that would be such an incredible beacon for the world that cities all, all over the globe would follow. Yeah. You know, I, um, the idea that what we do matters to others, you know, is kind of a philosophical position until you become a parent and you realize everything you do, everything you mo- – forget about what you talk about – what you do, get your modeling behavior that's going to get imitated, evaluated, and um, you know you're going to end up having to answer for the fact that 
so it true. resonates. And so they've said that when L.A. sneezes, the whole world gets a cold. And I think that's true. <laughs> it's the power of culture. It's the power of modeling um, behavior. But at the same time, you mentioned the DWP, the largest municipal utility in the United States of America. And yes. there's no greater sense of helplessness than when an Angelino tries to call customer service and just <laughs> deal with the bill, let alone to make a decision on where does our electricity come from? Does the city of LA own coal? Should we be divesting? Should we be, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So true. But yet, every Saturday, once a month, you know, early in the morning, um, as a neighborhood council representative, you get to spend face-to-face -face time with the number two and the number three, and sometimes the number one from the DWP. You know, on the um, DWP, DWP MOU, MOU Advisory Committee. I'm, I'm also on the um, advisory committee for their um, their energy review process mm -hmm. and for their 100% renewable study that they're starting. So I do um, interact with them all the time. I share some of the frustrations of the general customer yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's calling in as well. I mean, obviously from a customer standpoint, right. but but from those other mm -hmm. um, positions as well. There, there's a lot. There's there's you know there's a lot of of um, hesitance, I guess. Uh, well, I I think that sometimes the bureaucratic. Um, there's a bureaucratic force field around the city of LA that S sort of keeps yes. people from, but once you once you can get through that, what's interesting is some of the face-to-face -face time. The Department of uh, Water and Power was the first neighborhood council to sign an MOU, a memorandum of understanding with the neighborhood councils, in which they just said, you know, we'll chat about everything well in advance of anything. And that sounds, you know, um, I mean, a lot of folks say things like that, but the fact is they're there once a month, early in the morning, to talk about the stuff, and they invite right. the neighborhood councils to come in and participate. And I think that that's the um, there's some significant power in recognizing the fact that the city's being run by humans. Yes, the departments are being run by humans for sure. Um, you know the the other agencies like the county and the feds and the you know around the um, city of LA being run by humans. Like we're all humans, and once you can get past the fact that sometimes you're knocking on the wrong door or you're asking the wrong person, or you're not framing it correctly, or you didn't do it. Once you can get past that process, um, which is a bit of a learning curve, which I think is one of the advantages of being in a neighborhood council, you mm -hmm. start to learn some of the, you know, what is the Brown Act? What is the ethics code? What is the, like, yeah, once you can get past. Yeah, some get of the bureaucracy. That. Yeah. It's yes. like, oh my gosh, this is kind of like, oh my, there's a whole lot of humans here. Yes. Um, and you, you can have some quality face-to-face -face time, develop some relationships, get a phone number, get some work done. Right. You know, because I think a lot of the stuff takes place in an elevator, not in a schedule of meeting. It's so true. I'm sure that's true around the world. But, but yes, it's definitely the case that those personal relationships matter a lot. So um, let's stay with mom just for one more moment. Yeah. Uh, your kids. Uh, I, I know Nick. Where do you spend your day today, Nick? Uh, part of it was at Grand Park, right outside City Hall, and uh, with a bunch of other teachers wearing right. wearing, wearing red UTLA strong UTLA gear. Yeah. Then he came over to uh, City Hall to hang out too, because that's where all the hanging out takes place. Yeah, I was picketing with uh, some teachers at at one of the local elementary schools this morning. So your son was with you also. Yes. No, your son? Oh, my son. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. My kids, all three of my kids were with me this morning. They have been, um, I gave them the morning off yesterday, but most of the time they've been out there picketing in the rain with me at a different school in my district every morning and afternoon. <laughs> That's so cool. NC, uh, during the writer's strike, the writer's guild, NC had uh, Sydney. And I think that it's so cool that kids not just learn about stuff, but like do the stuff. And in this particular case, yeah, what an opportunity yeah. for the kids to learn about, um, you know, civil disobedience, about labor and the labor history, about about their teachers and what their, you know, how their teachers are treated and what their teachers are calling for and and public education and what public education means. So, um, how do you um, when things when we're not on strike, how do you get the kids to school? Uh, we bike to school. Yeah. We we have 
a cargo bike, which um, still manages to fit my my ten year old and eight year old and two year old. Um, it's a Madsen cycle, which uh, looks it's a yellow bike that's elongated and it looks like it has a giant bucket on the back. And the bucket is has four seat belts, uh, so I like to say that I can take I can fit more kids in my bike than I can in my car, which is true. Cool. Oh. <laughs> that's nick riding his bike around the studio doing track stand uh, showing off is yours electric assist yes it is yeah? yes uh, I, I added that part on yeah uh ron durgan of sustainable streets was at caltrans this morning and he uh, gave a demonstration he also has um some bikes down at metro uh metro headquarters but he gave a, uh, a demonstration on these cargo bikes um which i'm seeing more and more of um, but yeah, I mean, you don't see them around LA that much, but in some parts of the world, you see them mm-hmm. all over the place, and and um, it's uh, it's definitely fun to have. I mean, we have people that go by us in cars trying to take pictures. We have people that stop us in the streets. We have sometimes when I um, actually when I was knocking on doors on a previous election um, in my neighborhood, some people say, "You're the one with the bike." <laughs> I yeah. mean, they actually it's it's visible in the neighborhood. <laughs> It's one thing I do love about Los Angeles is um, whether or not they remember my face, they always it, – it, L.A. is one of those cities where people remember bikes. Mm. And, hey, and um, uh, so anyway, so then you're the yellow cargo bike lady. Yes. Um, the um, the um, bike you found online? Yes, um, Madsen. Yeah, it's a Madsen cycle. You can – they make them in Utah. Utah. Oh, oh great. Uh, Ron had uh, a, uh, one called a shorty. And there's another one that's being um, that's designed for uh, first responders. Oh. And so uh, when NC and I lived in Hollywood, the Griffith Park caught on fire, and then it took the uh, Red Cross eight hours to get to the shelter because it was traffic congestion. Yet we were able to ride our bikes right down Franklin, um, you know, set up wow. the evacuation, et cetera. And so the idea is to set up um, uh, first responder bikes so that on a college campus, you know, you yeah. don't have to run and get the vehicle on the – you know, far yeah. side and then try to drive through the campus to get to the emergency. You could just roll these cargo bikes through Fantastic. Uh, uh, parks, large parks, you know, like um, Benoni yeah. Park or, you know, where you've got acres and acres. You could sure. just ride a cargo bike rather than trying to uh, send a, uh, you know, a fire truck through crowds yeah. when you know it's just, you, it's, you need paramed, you need first aid. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, cool opportunity. So um, at CSUN, which is kind of a densely populated neighborhood and a densely yes. populated school. And uh, we just got a uh, relatively new protected bike lane outside the campus on Reseda Boulevard in the Great Streets program. Do you like that bike lane? Um, I, I, I'm so grateful for that bike lane. I was afraid to ride on Reseda before, and I do ride on Reseda now. I still feel a little bit nervous when the buses come in and out, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that um, folks sometimes think that... Uh, you know, bike lane is meant to be uh, permission to speed, um, and I, I, I think that um, in that particular case, you know, you've got a lot of, there's still a lot of, uh, what's the word, cooperating, communicating, mm-hmm. um, and navigating to take place, and so it's not really meant for uh, folks to fly, and I think that that's one of the opportunities for cyclists and pedestrians and uh, motorists to get along better, is for us to share expectations. Like, is this the place for me to get my um, Olympic cycling training in, or oh. is this m- a place for me to, um, you know, cruise the neighborhood at, at a speed at which I can actually, you know, like notice some of the merchants and what's going on? Right, right. Well, um, you know, as a parent who is uh, has kids with me either in the cargo bike or sometimes um, on their own bicycles, depending on where we're riding, I definitely, you know, feel grateful for some of those you know, protections that make me feel more comfortable mm-hmm. about where my kids right. are riding. Yep. So um, the other thing I, I, you know, you meant w- with the regards to the kids, Ciclavia has been good for oh, our kids also yes. because f- for one day we yeah. put in some miles. They yeah. are so mesmerized by all of the energy yeah. that they don't realize how many miles they put on. And um, there isn't the distraction the negative distraction of, of speeding motorists. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that was the day that Sydney put in the most miles was the uh, was one of the Ciclavias. And after nice. that, you know, once he's hit that, b- before that it was the short ride through town to his art class. Right. And um, 
it wasn't fun because it was big intersection after big intersection with me yeah. influencing, riding behind him to influence traffic. Uh-huh. We used to go out on Sunday mornings, you know, when there were fewer cars. That was when we mm-hmm. started, you know, with the, with um, my son on a balance bike, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, riding to church in the morning, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we started with the balance bike. And um, then we got, went to a larger bike where the pedals would come off, so it was balanced when he wanted to be balanced. Uh-huh. And it was pedals when he wanted to be pe- pedals. Um, and then I have a couple of these large s- skateboards, and they do those with broomsticks, too. Oh. <laughs> Which is kind of, I didn't show them, but I kind of dig leaving them to their own with That's regards to stuff. Yeah. And uh, so um, over at CSUN, um, there's some crazy traffic around there. Yes, there is. There's definitely some crazy traffic. There's some crazy parking, some <laughs> uh, fast-moving cars. Yeah. In fact, on Zelza, um, our neighborhood council has been working on the, you know, concerned about the speed limit increases on Zelza, mm-hmm. um, which are probably going to go in again because the way the speed limit is calculated is based on how fast people travel, not how fast they should travel right. for safety. Have you been to um, Have you been to Sacramento? On any issues? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I was invited by Senator Stern twice to give expert testimony on uh, Annalise Camp several times to lobby for mostly for climate climate bills. Um, uh, and yes, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of it's kind of peaceful up there, isn't it? It's yeah. like, wow, it's kind of tranquil. Like this is the state of Cal, Cal you know, the, the state of California's capital. And it's like this big lawn and it's quiet and there's quiet boulevards yeah um so it's kind of such uh, a great yeah. bike place to bike <laughs> right, in fact place. i was so excited when i saw henry stern mm-hmm. and my se- um the s- senator for the most of the west valley um right up on his bicycle to the oh, capital cool. <laughs> that That's was cool. very exciting well the reason i asked about sacramento is because um if you were to uh take the uh, CD12 position, it's my humble opinion that we're not free to do a lot of stuff. Like with regards to speed limits, mm-hmm. we got to go to Sacramento. Oh, right. And with regards to funding, we got to go to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. With regards to, um, you know, bike lanes and the freedom to come out of the bike lane, if you don't want to ride the bike lane, am I free to take the lane if uh, I want to be this right. the yes. confident cyclist that wants to read its, ride yes. at speed? Can I? No, because Sacramento says no. Mm. Like, in other words, we need to we need have to strong relationships with um, the state. Yes. Um, and the county, I mean, you know, we're neighbors, right? Uh, especially yes. in your neck of the woods. Yes. Um, and so I think that those relationships, and that's why I uh, brought up um, Sacramento, because I think that sometimes to sit really, you know, at City Hall and pontificate about little things without looking at the larger connectivity of, of uh, our neighborhoods, sometimes we miss the big opportunities to change the world. Well, that's true, and um, but you know, LA City Council has ha- is a great place to advocate for <laughs> state level issues, certainly, and and when the council decides to weigh in on state level bills, which they do do sometimes, mm-hmm. it certainly makes a big difference as well. I remember one time uh, Rosendahl actually initiated a, a resolution with regards to Iran, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Way stretching. Yes, it. but well, I appreciate I, I don't, it. I, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what impact we have on those on those international <laughs> um, <laughs> issues at, at city council. But but I mean, I think we should not lose sight of how big Los Angeles is and how important the role um, that that governance of the city plays mm-hmm. in in not just obviously the lives of everyday Angelinos, but but also in its its role model position throughout the world as cities look to other cities um, for for inspiration and and some of the programs that we have in Los Angeles have spread around the world mm-hmm. and um, again you know if if Los Angeles can solve some of these major issues that um, wicked problems that we face like homelessness mm-hmm. like um, you know, like mobility and getting people around the city in a way that that is carbon free, um, then that will that will absolutely make waves mm-hmm. all over the planet. You know, you speak of um, people coming to LA or looking at LA, and you know, our behavior affecting them. It, it goes both ways too. Uh, I I think that 
um, because I travel, I see other cities and it, it oh, piques yes. my interest. Like, well, why can't we have a roundabout? There are so many great ideas that other cities are implementing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is part of where we should be starting on on so many of these issues is looking at what's working in other places mm-hmm. and adopting those models. Right. I think like the irrigation um, and water reclamation in Israel. Mm, yes. I think that, um, you know, the shared bikes and the shared and, and the scooters. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, there were a lot of cities that were so far ahead of us. And all of a sudden, you know, now there's a stampede of companies but yes. l- that want to bring in. Um, well, learning from the mistakes on those yeah. on those um, those mobility options as well, yeah. uh, you know, doing it the right way. Um is something we can, yeah. we, we would have benefited from if we had decided to. Well, sometimes being second, they say the second mouse gets the cheese. Sometimes being second means that you can learn from others' mistakes. I know San Diego had scooters up the wazoo and had to deal with it. And so, you know, whether it's Airbnb or, um, you know, the shared cars or the shared uh, bicycles and scooters, you know, we can learn from others, whether it's crypto. Like, the list goes on of things we can just learn so from true. someone else that's already gone down the path, done the legislation, come up with the regulations yes. that support the new industry yes. and then benefit from that. So with the, um, and I I think the bike share, man, I think it's a it, it's really, int- we have them all over downtown. I, I, I check them out not because I need to go anywhere. It's just because I can. Like, you know, I can. I can <laughs> well, get- I, you know, I, I ride my bike all the time. I almost always have my bike, but we have bike share that rolled out on, CS- uh, on CSUN campus. Uh-huh. We rolled out Lime Bikes and, um, I have used them to get across campus. Um, even, I guess maybe if if I don't, well, when have I used them? Um, you know, it's, there have been a couple times when it, there was like a meeting that I walked to, and then I realized I needed to get back quickly, and and there's a line bike right there, and it's you know it's it's so cheap, and it's it's just a really nice, easy thing to do. Yeah, I saw them in Munich first, and it was you know the middle of this busy place, you know. Uh, all these boulevards, and there was just this lonely bike sitting out by itself, and it was such a strange. It took me a while to kind of get a hold of the fact that yes. someone, it's it's someone, it wasn't stranded. It's someone that st- stopped needing it. They left it there, and you can go get it. And, uh, yes. and so it took me a while to, and it's okay. It's all right. You just go and swipe. But <laughs> well, it's taking everyone a while. <laughs> <laughs> in in uh, in the in Northridge, in particular, it took people a while to to get used to it when they they showed up at first thing. So I got to wonder, in a household with two scientists, yes, is your approach to problem solving different? You know, the scientific method come into play. We have dueling scientists that are gonna come up with theories and test them, or do you just go shopping? <laughs> um, we definitely love to look for the evidence-based solutions. So when you're talking about the line bikes, for example, I had a I had a group of students that were looking at data to. Um, try to understand exactly how the Lyme bikes were affecting uh, the situation on campus. Were they were they um, causing students to take cars uh, less? Were they you know who was using them and what were they using them to do? Uh, we were looking at heat maps and and uh, of of where the bicycles were being used most and where they were being left the most um, looking at the question of how much carbon are we saving um, and and that was a great project for the students to dive into you know uh, there was a period of time when it seems like every neighborhood was coming up with a bike share strategy a bit more organic and a little bit less um, what's the word funded in fact uh, we're, we're We've been joined here in the studio by by Don Ward, who's uh, he's getting his <laughs> his gear <laughs> set up. But hi, Don. Yeah. So we've got a headset for him tuned into AM radio just to disorient him. But uh, <laughs> you know, in the valley there was um, the bikery. Uh, so there was the bicycle kitchen, there was microwave, um, the bicycle oven, and the bikery. But these were like local co-op opportunities to make sure that everybody had a bike. And uh, just to get people on bikes. And then on, uh, Don. On, S- on CSUN campus, we have our Matador bike bike uh, bike shop that's wow. a mobile bike shop that goes around to different spots on campus. And they they fix, you know, um, b- uh, our bikes for very, very cheap, basically just um, 
just you pretty much just pay for the equipment and yeah. not the labor and it's a great yeah, how do they transport it around uh, by the way my name is don ward hi, nice to don. meet you nice to meet you i've heard good things about you thank I'm you i'm a CSUN alum as well very cool yeah so i'm excited um, about CSUN. what you guys were talking about with lime bikes and yeah so the bike shop is in the out of the back of a, a truck that okay that they a little mini truck like a little yeah a little golf cart truck. type truck um or is it no, is it like a street legal it's yeah it's a street legal uh-huh. um sort of yeah, li- mini compared to a tractor trailer, but but you know van truck like thing. If, That's if cool. Don had his way, it would be a unicycle with a uh, <laughs> <laughs> bike mechanic juggling parts yes. and, uh, to demonstrate. Uh, there's no. there's some mobile bike mechanics out there that yep. do operate off of like bike trailers and things like that. So I was just curious. Yeah. So the um, I was earlier I was telling uh, talking about Ron Durgan was at Caltrans giving a demonstration and a presentation on cargo bikes and the the great utility and there's some massive cargo bikes. There are some little hall pallets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not just uh, long, but they're wide. Yeah. And uh, so the opportunity, you know, back to modeling the behavior. Can you imagine if, by the way, real quick, if I could. Yeah. When we, when we talk about changing culture, yes. look at the gravitas of a city with 40,000 employees plus, plus 10,000 sworn. If yes. only the city of L.A. and our vendors were to become certified bicycle-friendly motorists, which means take an hour-and-a-half class on you know, like learn to get along with pedestrians and cyclists. Can you imagine how we could change the universe just by <laughs> impacting the motorists that have to follow a city council mandate if the city council were to make uh, a yeah, mandate? Oh, yeah, an ordinance wow. to get the city workers to yeah. drive wow. in a bike-friendly manner. Look yes. at that. So because keep in mind, yes, the city workers to get educated on that because should. there are some city workers that drive like, like maniacs. Yeah. Well, we're all human. And bus the thing drivers. Is, bus drivers is, especially. I, I, think, I think that... Um, you know, if you haven't spent a lot of time on a bike in the city of L.A., you don't necessarily realize what it feels like and yeah. how hard it is. So Don uh, is uh, somewhat familiar with CD12 because you spent your formative years there being formative. <laughs> yeah, I went to uh, college at CSUN. My folks, uh, they retired out there mm-hmm. to Northridge which is around the first time I've ever heard of Northridge. <laughs> and it was right before the earthquake, actually. <laughs> so I was like, welcome to Northridge. Here's an earthquake. Right. <laughs> and we, then, just had a yeah. th- we just had the 25th anniversary of yeah. the quake. We did an event with our neighborhood council and with the CSUN Geology Department. Um, are you with uh, Northridge East, right? That's right, yes. Are you the president of Northridge no, East? No, no. I'm, I'm a second vice president, homeless okay. chair. Yeah. Cool, cool. Cool. I used to be on Northridge West. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got on there for a couple of years involving uh, the road diet on Wilbur Avenue. Okay. I just got so wrapped up in that that I ended up getting on the neighborhood council and chairing yeah. the plum committee. I think every nice. uh, body on a neighborhood council has some <laughs> inciting incident that caused them to cross the street, knock on the door, and go, you know, yeah. okay, yeah. what's going on? We're going fi- to fix this right now. Yeah. Neighborhood councils are a great little system. I like that. <laughs> They're they just, are. They seem to be they getting are. more and more uh, uh, powerful, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they're well, not, they're not, uh, they're not binding, but but their their voice matters to the city council. Yes. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we were just talking about. I mean, you you represent actually quite a yeah. You know, tens of thousands of people. It's like a small city. Mm-hmm. Well, I think to uh, speaking to your candidacy for CD12 as uh, representing CD12 in the city council, w- the city of LA has three electeds out of 18 that are currently, um, three out of the current eight, 18 that are uh, neighbor council folks. So Ron Galperin was, um, uh, oh, I, I don't know. That. Ron Galperin was, I'm going to think of it, the hills, the hillside. But um, David Rue. Yes, I know Was David Greater Rue. Wilshire. Yes. Um, and then uh, Mitchell Farrell was Glassell Park. Bel Air Beverly Crest. Ron Galpern was Bel Air Beverly Crest. Okay. And he uh, got involved in the budget advocates and said, my God, look at this. And the wow. more he looked, the more he developed a passion for this to the point that he ran for city controller and prevailed. Mm. Mitchell Farrell was a founder that. for Glassell Park. And that's when he met Garcetti. And when he met Garcetti, he ended up getting involved. And then he became a field deputy and then said, my God, this is... Rock and roll. And then David Rue, um, you know, he was also, I think, working for the county, but David Rue is uh, Greater Wilshire. No, it's, uh, no, he's uh, K-Town. So CD12 is a little different because it seems to just keep going. I think um, Kevin was 
telling me this that it's only ever gone to the chief of staff that's true um is that true for the for the entire since, history since the seat was created wow. um you know it has been essentially this dynasty that has been passed down from council member to chief of staff yeah um do you think that's why greg smith is back in the picture is he <laughs> trying to is he trying to prime the pump for what's a guy what's the guy's name the current or the former chief of staff of let's not even mention i don't know (laughs) we shouldn't mention the name of the opposition right but uh so what's what's your i I can't comment on 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 that but um but i do think that this is an opportunity for um regular ordinary members of the community to step up and um you know, be elected to in their own local neighborhoods and well, break the dynasty, right? Break the what's, dynasty. what's the what's the overall strategy? What, how are you gonna? How are we winning here? What's, how, well, give I mean, us give well, us for, the plan. for starters. Yeah. Tell us about the tell us about the um, funding regulations or rules that are designed to level the playing field. Okay, so a fantastic. Um, campaign finance um, law that the city of Los Angeles has passed actually relative actually just changed hmm. just very recently um, I offers matching funds to um, all candidates who want to accept matching funds if they want to accept the spending limits that come with matching funds but what this means is is that if you um, show enough community support, meaning that you raise $20,000 worth of matching funds and you have at least 100 people who are willing to give you at least $5 within your district, then um, the city will match the donations of anybody who lives within the city of Los Angeles at a rate of 6 to 1. Six to wow. one. So if you give 50 bucks. I get 350 bucks, right? Uh, 300 from the city plus your 50. Um, and that is a tremendous opportunity for candidates to raise money from small dollar donations. Yeah. Um, that we have not had that that ratio of six to one. We've had matching funds before, but but the six to one is is an amazing number that that makes it really possible for grassroots candidates like myself, who don't happen to know a whole lot of people with big bucks. Um, to raise raise money, and we can do it from these from these um, reasonable donations. So is one hundred and fifteen dollars the yes. point at which they'll stop matching? It's one hundred and fourteen. One hundred fourteen. Um, okay. To be oddly specific, um, uh, up to one hundred and fourteen dollars of of a donation is is available to, for that matching fund limit. So um, eight hundred dollars is the maximum donation. The first, if someone gives a hundred, gives eight hundred dollars, it's their first hundred and fourteen that the city will match at a rate of six to one. Wow! Now, for you, what, um, where are you going to get your support? What, where do you expect to see your support? Is there going to be? I mean, as a teacher at CSUN, yeah. right? You also have some organizing uh, background with the folks in Porter Ranch. Yes. Um, so the the Save Porter Ranch group that's been fighting against the the Aliso Canyon gas storage facility that has um, terrorized our neighborhood. Um, there's a lot of folks uh, from that effort that it's a grassroots organization. Um, I'm a huge portion of the people who just recently got uh, Katie Hill and Christy Smith elected in, in this district, in Council District 12, um, y- which is, uh, you know, indivisible groups and, and resistance groups, we'll say, um, for, um, for, you know, our recent president. Uh, a lot of those folks uh, are behind my candidacy and, and are coming out for me. Um, it's, it's really the grassroots in so many different ways and um, the mobility uh, community as well. And, um, um, you know, there's the environmental community. Certainly there's a lot of climate activists and, and people who care about the environment that are showing up. It's been so incredibly humbling to watch all the volunteers and all the energy this early in the race and to um, see all these people willing to step up uh, for this local race that they care about. What do, uh, what do volunteers do on a campaign? Like if people were to volunteer, what would you end up, what would they end up doing? 
Well, it all depends on what you want to do and what your level of interest is. There, We have jobs for so many different kinds of people and kinds of activities. The most important uh, job is knocking on doors, asking people to vote for me. Um, but we are we have so many other <laughs> opportunities as well everything from um cutting up the the hand printed flyers that we've been um making to um phone banking which is like calling people to ask people to vote for me text banking um which is you know writing texts to people um certainly um things like you know coordinating other volunteers um uh um, we have folks coming out for the Women's March tomorrow that are going to be like um, there at the transit stops in the valley handing out flyers and talking to people about me and my candidacy. Um, we have people that are posting on social media uh, about mm -hmm. me or, um, and, uh, you know, just sharing the word, even just getting the word out among their friends. Um, we will have to get signatures um, in order to get on the ballot, so people helping out with with uh, you know, getting those those signatures required um, from people in the district. So uh, now, CD twelve. There's a certain profile of voter generalization of the voters out there. It seems a little bit more on the conservative side or the the older side. Do we do we have data on on yeah. what voters are going to be coming out and and uh, how to sort of reach those voters or are we going for pretty much all new voters or how, how do you how do you feel about the well um i do have support landscape. from all kinds of different people mm -hmm. um so you know the the people for example that care about um aliso canyon in their backyard come from all different political stripes and and uh flavors mm -hmm. the um However, the the you know this this seat has been represented represented by a Republican for for a very long time. It is a conservative mm -hmm. area, um, f you know, it, f by only Republicans because of this dynasty partly. Um, but the the voter registration numbers are are changing. Are yes, and and do not paint that picture. I mean, I think it's forty four percent registered Democrat and twenty four percent registered Republican. So there's huh. a there's a huge difference there. So because yeah, we always end up with a with, I mean, Mitch Englander, I wouldn't call him like a traditional Republican. He's, he's no, he's he's not like um you know Trump sort of person. Um, um, he you know, and and neither neither are the people that are running um that mm. that are registered Republicans. Um, this this is a different kind of. Uh, you know, group of people that we have here in Los Angeles, mostly. Um, so, so I, you know, I think that um, we, especially at the city level, um, everybody in the council district wants to see homeless people off of the streets. You know, everybody in the council district, well, they're almost everybody in the council district wants to, um, you know, pursue the energies of the future that are going to give us clean air and clean water. Th these are things that we share. Um, it doesn't matter what, what you're, what we fight about, like at the national level, mm -hmm. we can come together and work on the problems in our city, um, in our neighborhoods together. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I always thought that CSUN was um, commuter school with, with um, students that were coming from great distances. And I was kind of, you were sharing some of the statistics yes. or the of the the makeup of local residents at uh, CSUN. I was kind of surprised. Um, what was the breakdown of locals? Um, well, we were shocked. Our transportation working group, when we actually did the survey and took the data, that forty percent of our students live within three miles of the campus. We have mm. always thought of ourselves as a commuter school, and we were we were surprised to see yeah. how many are local. It's probably changing a lot too. Yeah, you know, there's housing's. I mean, they've been building some housing, and I think a lot of maybe the the houses in the area have sort of turned over and become student housing, right. even though there's sort of a rent residential feel there. Sure, I mean, we you know we do have a lot of apartment buildings that that um, that have house students. I think there are a lot of students that that are living living with their parents. Also, we all know what this economy is like for mm -hmm. young people. It's 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 challenging. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's all kinds of reasons. Yeah, mm -hmm. but what's cool, though, is they're voters. 
Yeah. That's true. And um, so they live in the neighborhood, and uh, they're, and they're active. They're this is another active, yeah. constituency that yeah. we are <laughs> looking at and yeah. and working and activating. Where you know, I have a number of former students that are showing up to volunteer and and. Uh, professors as well, so it's 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 exciting to see that that uh, that that group. Excellent. So, what does a CD12 look like in terms of transportation? What do you have? Uh, have you been giving a lot of thought to the transportation layout, especially around CSUN? I always I always kind of hope for CSUN to become like a college town, like Northridge to become right. a college yeah. town. That would and be. It's just these streets are so like Nordoff. Nordhoff is like the Berlin Wall when you're trying to get to those little businesses on Reseda south of yeah. Nordhoff where they're trying to develop business down there. Yeah. And there's some cool things. There's like the the hot dog spot, the, the video game spot. There's a place yeah. to get your hair cut now. There's a bike shop. There's an art gallery, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to be like there's this split from CSUN where all the it's so true. customers would be. It's so true. Um, I think they got to work on that connection more, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, actually, I do think the line bikes have have helped in the sense that um, the you know students. That's part of the data that we were looking at is um, students are feel more able to go further off of campus. Even if if you drive, you know it's hard to drive off campus and and then come back and find parking because yeah. parking is challenging at, on campus. So you know. Um, people were able to take bikes and go further afield for lunch or for um, just shopping, regular shopping, whatever they're they're needing. Um, but yes, um, the transportation in CD12, I I I definitely would like to see more connectivity, specifically of bike lanes. I mean, when I ride on Reseda, that protected bike lane is great. You know, we have protected bike lanes on Reseda. We have protected bike lane on Lassen, and they're, like, really short. They're, you know, I, um, it's like, where where does this connect to? Where am, right. I, gonna, <laughs> where am I going to? There's that little business area up on Chatsworth, too, over by Chatsworth and Zelza. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a real charming little old town. Beautiful yeah. downtown-ish and like, area. to get there by bike, it's like, uh, you know, I, I yeah. want to get there by bike from my house, which is like less than a mile, and I can't get there on Chatsworth because it's yes. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, or yes. I guess Zelza I, I mean, goes all I the go, way up there. Yeah, I mean, I go up louise or white oak which are which are easier to bike on but then once you get to chatsworth it's hard to ride on chatsworth yeah and that could be i mean there's there's so much potential there Mm -hmm. all those little shops right on the street it's great it's great old old style design it's i love that i love the feel of it it's so um it's a great charming area and then the exact opposite happens when you get to uh south of prairie like giant parking lots mm-hmm. like wastelands where the the mall looks like it's about to fail there's yeah. like an empty big big five i think maybe closed down was a big five there's some big store over there that just closed down and it looks like it looks a little needs some help a little sad you know yeah. sad don is the uh, originator i think and i know there's nothing new under the sun so he probably stole it from somebody <laughs> but he's the originator of the term road buffet that's that's so traffic nerd insider (laughs) that nobody would understand so instead of road diets he's proposed road buffets where we (laughs) point out all of the enhancements that would benefit but as you talk about this these small communities i think that that's one of the opportunities is for us not to talk about how we're going to take away some parking but instead that we're going to bring folks on bicycles to your businesses and enhance the local economy yeah and i love that um I love that you've said like three times in three sentences when we look at the data. Like how great would it be if instead of like sure. the emotions of, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're changing something, if everything started off with – like if every city yeah. department started off with any action <laughs> with, well, we looked at the data and here's the – you know, so. Well, yes. what, what's the student population of CSUN? We're about 40,000 students. Jeez. Okay, so you got 40,000 young customers yeah. who – could be customers right. if you know i don't know you they're probably starving customers. students too but <laughs> well yeah but 40,000 customers right. that need to get to they all have the little shops needs. they do yeah. shop yeah. they definitely shop and they shouldn't get there by car because they're going to take up all your parking right so get them there by bike yeah or a dash yeah. system is there a dash system out in 
Northridge, a little local bus like I they mean, have in Los Feliz? So, I mean, one thing, one great thing about Measure M is that we are, you know, again, again it's sort of far in the future, but we are going to be having um, more trans- better transit options, um, you know, a, an east-west line um, through the valley that will hopefully um, connect CSUN to uh, several other spots. Um and east east west line, I should say, through the North Valley, um, and and you mean like a bus line, like a dedicated BRT, or are we talking? We're talking train. Yeah, really yeah, light in rail. The, in the in from Majorham, yes, and they're sta- they're deciding the exact um, north route for it. Um, oh, there, wow. Yeah, there will also be a north it's an northwest east west that the goes north. through the Sepulveda Pass, and yeah. then the, and then an east west um, through the North Valley. Oh, and they are great. deciding about last uh, last I remember, they're deciding about whether it will curve up north to the Silmar uh, Metrolink station or down to to the Red Line. Huh, that's amazing. They should have it come down Nordoff and go right to the school. Yeah, yeah, um, that's one of the proposed Is it? routes. Yes, oh, and Yes. That would be absolutely amazing. That would probably never happen, but be amazing. I'm really cynical. Well, there's still, <laughs> there's still. We got to be hopeful. You're hopeful. Don superpower is I know cynicism. That they, <laughs> they recently had their public comment, um, you know, uh, opportunities, but I, I think that they're still accepting comments on on the exact route for uh, that. So um, I would one express of the most your voice. Heartbreaking, annoying things about Mitch Englander. I actually like Mitch Englander. But um, he sided with some homeowners along the Metrolink line uh, that yes. fought against double tracking the Metrolink uh, yes. for nine miles. It would have been the most amazing thing. I, I would love it if everybody comes out to a meeting about this on January 27th um, at Valley Vote. They're going to be discussing, um, well, bar- uh, let's see, I can't remember what the exact... Um, um, agenda is for the meeting, but I know that um, Bart Reed and some of the um, folks that that are interested in that issue are going to be there and, hmm. and discussing it. You know, it, uh, I was at uh, Transit Coalition last night at Metro with Bart Reed, and it's amazing. They were presenting the um, Green Line extension, mm-hmm. and it was amazing because they, they start off the presentation by demonstrating all the work that's gone into the uh, proposal up to the point that, you know, that they're presenting. So yes. they've done all the they've done all of the... Uh, work on coming up with the options and it was it was sad because they said we had four community meetings and <coughs> 83 people like they document all of yes. this to demonstrate they, they went through the steps in the mobility bill of rights one of the items is that we'll be engaged as a, as a constituent group but one of the problems is we don't we complain when they don't engage but then it's up to us to show up and engage and when 83 people spoke it's like 83 for an 800 million dollar project 83 right. people and in your in your case with the February twenty seventh meeting at Valley Vote, oh, like January the January twenty seventh. What did I say? February. So January twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. There was a trick to get people Sunday, there. right? Monday. It's a Monday night. Mm-hmm. It's a Monday night. Will it be on your website? Uh, should be. Yes, it will be on my website. So wait a minute. Okay, what's going on again? It's January twenty seventh. There's a meeting about a Valley Vote meeting um, about about transit issues. Okay, and the yeah. MetroLink possibly would be on that. That could, yes, possibly. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there well, you go. Okay, so how would you, if you were CD12 council member and this came up, this is a this is a thing. This is like, you got some homeowners, those ones that live along the tracks. They have a voice, right? They have. It seems like. I mean, people. Seems like there's people a should have a, a voice about what happens in their community and in their backyard. Definitely. Yeah. How would you manage that, or or would you have, you know, would you have sided with the idea of double tracking metro even in the face of a. It was a pretty small constituency of homeowners, but they do have a voice, right? So, so how, would, how would you as a council member manage that situation? Um, that's a great question. And and uh, I can't say exactly until I'm in, in the position, but I, you know, I, I wish there, that there the metro had been double-tracked for sure. Their case um, was, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't that any homes were going to be demolished. It was just that there was another track going to be in there and they didn't want to see more so train traffic in their backyards. They live right Yes. Well, I know that one issue that came up in that whole discussion was was um, about oil trains, um, uh, which, uh, you know, I think, again, data <laughs> is very useful if you <laughs> if you um, 
show exactly you know how it, you know it was it was a concern of the community that I think was um, misplaced because sure. as I understand it that that was not something that was going to be um, increased uh, if if we had double tracked those lines yeah that's funny that's hilarious that that, that was the excuse you got to find that one right excuse that like almost blindsides people and they don't have a response for it there's a term for it it's a it's a <laughs> it's starts with a g some g g gallop something and it and it's a term for a debate strategy where you just keep throwing so much uh, uh, yes, non-verifiable right. data mm. that people are sitting in the room googling it like like looking and you'll never find it which means you've taken the audience out of the game yes. Yes. on the oil but that's or what's the, so great about that's what's so great about going house to house mm-hmm. when when that wilbur thing was going down i went house to house and by the time i was done i had every possible rebuttal to this road diet yeah. in my yeah. head already already worked out so that when we were making the presentation uh, in the town hall, mm-hmm. people were heckling a lot of the stuff I'd already heard, and it was like already had an answer, already had an answer, <laughs> answered your question, answered your question. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> so preempting the preempting the objections. Yeah, definitely. Figuring, helps. I mean, they do have somewhat of a valid. I mean, from their point of view, if you double track behind their house, there's going to be more train activity. So there's there's something there. People can can sympathize with that and well, I unfortunately I, th- I think it's also possible to um you know listen to people's concerns and try to address their specific concerns maybe there are you know better soundproofing um opportunities that could have been then been agreed upon maybe there you know depending on exactly what the specific concerns are we you know it's not it doesn't always have to be one constituency versus the other mm-hmm. sometimes there are there are usually solutions that that can be um can work for everyone yeah maybe you know like a sound barrier plus they get bought out a little bit like give them each 20 grand or something how much is that project worth that's like probably a couple hundred million they yeah. could throw each homeowner like twenty grand. Uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> for the property <laughs> loss. I mean, right? yeah, Don, yeah, Don's yeah, here to yeah. negotiate <laughs> <the> <laughs> settlements because he gets fifteen. I'm just wondering, to, it's like, uh, what can you come grand, up with? But, what but can you come up with? You're so right that that um, you know, there's probably. I, I'm sure there were creative solutions that could have could have. Don does raise a good point, though. Um, a lot of folks know how to complain. Yes, but straight up. I've seen, you know, things go a couple of years when really if the folks saying no just focused on communicating clearly what you want, the other side wants to know what a solution looks like and how we can get to the, how we can find that common ground. And a lot of times developments, projects, you know, folks say no when straight up if you told us what it was, is it the hedge? Is it the value of your property? Yeah. Is it the noise? Is what it the is crossing? The specific Tell us because and how can we help? Yeah, getting yeah. from no to what does the yes look like? I think that in neighborhood councils, you know, you sit through enough meetings and you start to have this internal, oh my God, what does a yes look like? <laughs> just just show I mean, me yes. Yeah. <laughs> like with the line bikes, you know, I mean people did have legitimate concerns about about those bikes being left in the middle of the sidewalk yeah. and, and yeah. you know, you, if you're in a wheelchair and and you have a bike in the middle of the sidewalk, you're kind of stuck. There's not yeah. much you can do. And Absolutely. that is important. And, and w- you know, there are solutions like, like creating better bike infrastructure or places where you can park the, those bikes, you know, that, that can alleviate some of those issues. You know what I thought was cool about uh, you and get involving your students in some of the uh, research was some of the great solutions for, like, the problem with the bikes. Uh, some of the college students at uh, USC and UCLA have been working on it, and it became an exercise. Mike Wu was good at this also out at Cal Poly, you know, ha- making it a project for the students and letting them run with it to see how many solutions can we find for bike storage? Yeah. Um, well, I had a group of students that um, were urban planning students who uh, created a suite of traffic calming options mm-hmm. um, to present to the council district about Reseda and Devonshire, which is this the intersection with mm-hmm. the number one most um, injuries, and mo- number one most dangerous intersection in the state is in Council District 12. Wow. And they got to be on TV and, and present to, um, you know, CD12 and present to several neighborhood councils. They went door to door around that intersection and got nice. buy-in from the community. And exciting. so what are we doing? What's going on? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and the Nothing's council happening? member didn't, decided not to pursue any of it. What? Yes. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. 
Well, they'll get another chance, perhaps. They might, yes. We, I mean, yeah, maybe this is, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, listen. I, I, I have to return to my cynical self. <laughs> <laughs> so, um uh, we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping up here. So a couple of quick questions. Um, yeah. The your website, LorraineForLA.com. So L O R A I N E F O R L A dot com. Okay. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Also Lorraine for LA. And um, so we've got uh, until I think you said um, March April. June. April is the beginning of the. The absentee ballots, absentee ballots. Yes, oh. which are key. Then, yeah. um, you know, I've seen a lot of campaigns that, that really rocked the get out the vote um, at the end, and they won basically at the polls, but they didn't win the, the absentee, absentee ballots, yeah. and so that's, that's really key. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, Kevin was telling me uh, that the amount of voters – is going to be something like 12,000 people, right? Well, you know, when we energize and engage, um, all of those new constituencies. 20,000. <laughs> I mean, it's true. The special elections historically have very low voter turnout, like 10 to 12%. Mm-hmm. Pretty okay. sad. Right. And then you'll let us know on your website about uh, January 27th where you're going to be at Val- Valley Vote. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Um, and one last question, if you wouldn't mind. I know that we've talked about the uh, Mobility Bill of Rights, but I was wondering if this is something that you would personally endorse uh, oh yes, so I I whoa, personally endorse right the here live on KPFK Bill of Rights. <laughs> I actually was the one who made the motion to for our neighborhood council to endorse well, then, the Bill of yeah. Rights. So, yes. Perhaps you'll be the first uh, candidate to put your. He's uh, he's, oh, he's pushing a, a pen right at you right Look now. Look at this! I get to <laughs> sign. That's a mighty big feathered pen right there. <laughs> Be sure to dip it this in. This was ink actually well. used this for the I'm Constitution of the United States of America, passed on down. <laughs> Here we go. Bill of Rights. You have to sign all five copies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got the Mobility Bill of Rights, which um, uh, Lorraine also took to uh, uh, represent. It went to the neighbor council, and Lorraine was actually the one that uh, moved it through the uh, Northridge um, East. East Neighborhood Council. But um, as far as candidates for CD12, I am actually going to be um, asking each and every uh, candidate where they stand on mobility. And for me, it's a... Uh, pretty near it, it's a uh, it's mobility is a big uh, topic for me and it resonates i know it's a sustainability issue i know it's an economic issue i know it's a equity issue i know it's many is- it's a it's a, you know it's a social justice issue it's many things um but for me it's um well you know i don't know when it happened but uh there was a point in time when i went from being just when he went crazy <laughs> he went crazy there was all these bike it was like bike parties happening everywhere and <laughs> Stephen Box was like, let's go to City Hall. And we we're like, all right, let's go. This is another reason to ride bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Public comment. I've never never gone there before. Never knew. Didn't. It was crazy. Yeah. We told, okay. we got told to sit down. i gotta I got to tell you a quick story. Okay. Um, <laughs> quick story. So City Hall. We'll have to go over the website one more time. Yeah, I know. The story, okay, so quick story. It in people's so heads. City Hall has the um, uh, Lindbergh Beacon on top. And the, they had the Lindbergh beacon, but it was so bright that it was confusing pilots. They took it down and they put it in the basement. And somebody found the Lindbergh beacon in the basement and they put it, they cleaned it up and put it back. Because by now you don't need pilots to know what the lights are because it's uh. on automatic pilot, right? Huh. And, you know, they don't do anything except... You're talking about that red light at the top? Well, it's, 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 it, it goes around in circles, right? It's uh-huh. up on top. So in City Hall, when you go to the Tom Bradley... Yeah. There's a not, there's a wonderful it's a beautiful room. Wait, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna blow up this little secret, huh? About oh. uh, maybe about I City Hall. <laughs> you can get to the top. But here's the deal. You By can the get, light. You can get to the top. So there's there's the Tom Bradley, which is the beautiful meeting <laughs> hall. Then you go outside and you go in this doorway and you go up and you're at another level where their communication equipment is. Okay. On this little like yeah, and balcony. Then, uh, <laughs> and so there's like these um then you go another, and this one's kind of creepy because it's like a ladder inside an attic, and there are bats, it's, and there's a. It's crazy. Right, Whoa. And it's, but it's, and yeah, you, you know, go so to the very, very. You guys top. really know the ins and outs of City Hall. But here's, the, here's here. the part like, I've gone, I'm going where no one's gone before in my mind, and I open this little hatch, but when you open the hatch, I see a wolf pack sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and I Who realize. Are those guys? Who are these guys? I realize someone's been there before me. (laughs) So it's a small town. It's a small world. And you run into friends, even at the top of City Hall. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, Don took us down memory lane there with regards to bike activities. But the fact of the matter is, 
Um, it was the bicycle that uh, sort of allowed me to discover a lot of the community in L.A. And um, and I think it, 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 it's a big city and it brings us together and it turns L.A. into a small town. And uh, it's the Mobility Bill of Rights that I'm championing championing now. Um, and I appreciate uh, your um, enthusiasm for jumping into CD12 and for taking the passion that you have as a mom and as a professor and as a wife and as a community leader and as a neighborhood council board member and then allowing that to turn into a, a, a campaign for CD12 and bringing all of that commitment. So I really do appreciate that. But I, and, and I really do appreciate you signing the Mobility Bill of Rights You're and welcome. setting a standard for all of the candidates, which I'm going to hold them to. Okay. Amen. All right. All right. All Hey, so, um, Nick, any closing comments? Closing comments. Well, uh, <laughs> we're always catching Nick by surprise. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, he was Nick, Nick, the the actual was, host of Bike Talk. He was tuning his bicycle in the uh, control room. <laughs> I could hear him. Yeah. No, it's it's great to see that you're doing this, Lorraine. I Thank met you, you at well, uh, the Calerth. Uh, wait, do I still? It's a yeah. We I met Nick building houses out of earth in the desert. What? Yeah, I want to do that. You talking about cob awesome. houses? Cob um, houses and similar, these are not cob houses, but but earth houses. Yes. Wow. So it's packed earth. Packed r- yes, packed earth. Wow. It's I want awesome. to do this. Yeah. Out in Hesperia at oh. Cal Earth. Hesperia. That's like <laughs> the worst possible designed city. Could we do in this the history in CD12? Hesperia. <laughs> You know, I could go on forever about Hesperia. <laughs> yes. That's cool, though. Congratulations on cool, cool. wow, that's amazing. I want to know more about this. I think I, I get good vibes from this particular candidate here. Excellent. So, well, uh, what's the website address again? Let's give it to LorraineForLA.com <laughs> with so one R. <laughs> with one R. <laughs> Actually, so you can put in two, and it'll and still work. Spelled out four. Did you, did you got them both? Yeah, I got them. I did get them both. <laughs> did you get the number four LA? No, it's F O R. Okay, excellent. So Lorraine, Gotta thanks for joining us on Bike Talk, and um, thank you, and and uh, congratulations on here. your campaign. Thank you. And uh, sounds like you might have the uh, endorsement of um, a CD12 resident here in Don. We'll Ward. see. Possibly. Yeah. I'm not that cheap, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we look forward to hearing from you again and for uh, following your um, journey. Fantastic. So thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for, for having uh, me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 